Live from the Blake Street Tavern in lower downtown Denver, the BSN Buffs Podcast with Ryan Koningsberg and Jake Shapiro. I'm your host, Jake Shapiro. Across the table from me is Ryan Koningsberg, the editor of BSNBuffs.com. What's going on today, Ryan? Not much. As always, it's at my favorite place in the world, Blake Street Tavern. This is my, uh, this is my new home. I just want to be here all the time. Well, one of Blake Street Tavern's best, uh, as one of our friends like to say. It's not one of. It's, it is the, the best. best. Uh, Tyler Ziskin is in the room, and he's here to join us. Uh, and we're going to actually have a new segment on our podcast. We're going to jump right into it here on the podcast called On the Bubble with Tyler Ziskin. Tyler, how's it going, my man? Hey there. How's so, it going today? Good, man. You're the expert. you got your own segment now. How's it feel? Uh, I, I finally made it. You know, like... We, everybody's been making it. Now I have my own segment. I feel good. It's something that I've kind of had a passion for in years past, so it's, you know, I'm not spewing nonsense at all the people out there. I actually <laughs> might know what I'm talking about on this one, which is a rare occasion. So it's fun. I'm excited. All right. So if you couldn't tell by the name of the segment, uh, we're going to try and bring Tyler in uh, to give you a better idea of where the buffs are sitting uh, with in terms of their attorney potential. Um, Tyler's a guy who really knows this stuff well. I mean, he understands, you know, when RPI is important, what they need to do to get their RPI in the right place, what other things are important to getting their tourney spot locked in. So, Tyler, let's uh, get right into it. Tell us about where the buffs are, are sitting right now in terms of their tourney potential. Well, right now, they're in great shape. Uh, I mean, anytime that you can be in the top 25 of the RPI, you're a lot to make the tournament if you're in a major league. Um you know, pretty much, really, it's not even the top 25. If you're in the top 40 and you're in a power league, you're going to make the tournament. That's pretty much a guarantee. We've seen that in all the years past since they really started taking that formula into account in terms of seeding and that kind of stuff. So um, right now, they're in great shape. Uh, the win last night was huge, ugly, obviously, um, but huge because it doesn't really matter how you win at the end of the year. That the committee's going to see that we have another top 100 RPI win on the road. Um, we'll see how Auburn shakes out at the end of the year. Um, but right now, that they're a top 100 team as well. So that's two um, early on in the season for us, which those are luxuries. Those those are not, you know, especially with amongst the bubble teams, there are going to be a lot of teams that don't have two RPI top 100 wins the entire year on the bubble, and we already have them now. So that's a huge start for us. Um, the Pac-12 is hard to really predict right now. There's a lot of pretty good basketball teams. I would say there's not very many elite basketball teams in the league right now, which means there's going to be a lot of um, a lot of shakeup along throughout the year, a lot of hectic results. Um, so the opinions will change throughout the year, I'm sure. But for right now, Colorado is definitely sitting very pretty. Talk about how big that win was last night. I know it was the ugliest, probably it's probably the ugliest win I've ever seen. The Buffs score four points in the last ten minutes, uh, and I think fans were still pretty angry after the game. But when it comes down to that RPI, I mean, there's not much something bigger than, than road wins in conference. Yeah, um, especially it was nice for us because Stanford beat a ranked team a couple nights previous. Um, you know, obviously Utah is now 0-2 in the league, but still uh, that really helps out Stanford's RPI. Their RPI has, has exceeded preseason expectations so far. Um, their expected RPI throughout the season now is now below 80, which doesn't make you a tournament team, but that's a very good road win. Um, that any team in the country would take, absolutely. So it's, it's huge for us because um, that's a tough road trip. I mean, Cal has proven to be really, really hot lately. Um, we've had success in the Bay Area in the past. And really, if you're on the bubble, for the most part, all you really need is three 
road wins in conference play, um, especially with how good we are on, at home traditionally. Um, to really, you know, that puts you in a pretty good chance to be 500 or better in league play, which is another key metric in terms of where you sit on the bubble. So um, it's a big start for sure. The other thing I wanted to ask was kind of what what do they need to do to stay in this position. I mean, their their RPI is 23 right now. 23. They're at 23. What kind of, I mean, what do they need to do to keep that RPI in that right position to stay in the top 40? Um, to stay in the top 40, you've got to finish probably 10 and 8 in league, um, which, you know, starting out at 1 and 1, there are a lot of ways that that could happen. Um, I think that's a pretty reasonable goal, though. Um, 10 and 8 in league would get them to 21 wins prior to the Pac-12 tournament. If they, if they get a win in the Pac-12 tournament, they'd be sitting at 22. Um, right now, the Pac-12 Conference is the number two RPI league in the country, so you would be hard pressed to get left out in that scenario. So, for me, like I talked about a little bit earlier, top 40 is kind of the number. Um, even close to 50, there aren't too many um, teams ranked in the RPI in the 40s that have been left out over the years um, from a power league. That is. So, if you if you see that number start to creep up into the mid 40s, you can start to get nervous a little bit. But anything below that, we're going to be in. And then finally, we talked about this a little bit off the air. Um, where, what are you thinking in terms of how many Pac-12 teams uh, uh, are getting into the tournament? This year? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because there are a lot of resumes that are very similar in the league right now. Um, the only three that I feel pretty confident that won't be making the tournament are Washington State, Stanford, and Washington. Um, Washington has gotten off to a good start in the league play, but they're really going to have to have a lot of wins based on their RPI right now. Um, so that leaves nine teams. Uh, obviously, all nine aren't going to get in because somebody has to lose along the way. So and even, the, even the teams in the bottom third of the league are all very good. I mean, Washington State is probably likely to be the lowest RPI-ranked team in the country. Their expected RPI right now is south of 130, which is amazing for a last-place conference team to do. All 12 teams would be ranked among the top 130. And that's a very, very, very deep league. So it's going to be tough. I mean, I would say five is very safe right now um, because kind of like some teams have to lose, other teams have to win as well. So there will be some teams that separate themselves. Arizona has to feel very good right now. I think they've kind of separated themselves as the best team in the league at the moment. Um, Cal's resume is starting to shape up pretty nicely. they got to win some games on the road, though. That's that's still part of their uh, resume. They haven't been able to um, clock off yet. Um, Colorado is probably safer than a lot of the other bubble teams at the moment, but they're all so close that, you know, a three-game losing streak could really send you to the bottom of the Pac-12 standings, and that's that's important. So, I mean, five, I'd feel pretty safe. Six, I think, is pretty reasonable as well. Seven, I'd be very shocked. Because that, that, there's going to be a lot of teams, like, among that first four in, or last four in, and maybe that... Um, the next four above that, there's going to be a lot of Pac-12 teams if we get set, which is possible depending on how the committee looks at it because they're going to get a good amount of teams in, but none of them are going to be able to. Do you really want to have seven teams in a league when five of the seeds are eight seeds or lower, or or do you just want to get, I mean, if, they, if you really truly believe that they're better than the other teams right. in the country, they deserve to get in, but that's a hard argument to make, I think, if a lot of the teams in one league are all double teams. The last thing I'll ask you, uh, getting a little ahead of schedule here, but going into this Utah game, how much does it worry you how desperate Utah is going to be? A lot. I mean, 
mean, they've been really good in the past couple of years, and they've definitely underachieved. Uh, they're a team I kind of pointed to all along as a team that I didn't think was as good as they were getting credit for. Um, their guard play makes ours look like NBA all-star quality right now, <laughs> uh, which is hard to accomplish. And, um, you know, I mean, they have, they have probably the best player in the conference. So, I mean, if there's anybody that's going to give Josh Scott trouble, it's Jacob Warner, Purple. Purple, and, yeah. I had ours in I don't what like you call if it if it's in there and you don't use it you call it silent. What if it's not in there and you do use it? It's a it's a loud R. Yeah, sure. All right, cool. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. We'll have to go talk to the experts, language experts <laughs> on that. But I will say this, um, sort sort of off track a little bit here. Um, I saw that Pirtle really struggled against Cal as well, which was surprising to me that both Josh and Pirtle did. So it makes me feel a little bit better about his struggles in that game. Um, because if Pirtle is also struggling against that front line, that means they have a pretty solid front line defensively. Um, Pirtle's better than Josh. Um, Josh is a beast, too. I think they're going to go out and it'll be a big game. Pirtle's just got He's super lanky. I mean, Josh is probably 6'10-ish. Pirtle's legit 7'1", so I mean, he's got a little bit of length on him as well. That's why the NBA scouts love him so much. He moves really well. Uh, but it's really going to, you know, as almost always does in college, which of the guards are going to play better than is Don Collier going to finally step up and play well, or, you know, like we tend to do, or are we going to let their guards get hot in the perimeter? Um, so it's a huge game. Um, I think one that it, it means a lot to Utah because going all in three in the league is a tough hole to climb out of when there's so much talent top to bottom. I mean, there are no nights off, and if you start all in three, it's tough to really come back up. And, you know, there's going to be opportunities, obviously, because of all that talent, but you can only lose so many games down the stretch. All right, Tyler. Well, I don't think there's any chance they would ever fire you from here. You're a little too important. But I want to make sure that you don't get fired, so we'll let you get back to work. It's all good. Yeah, it's a little slow out there today, so I found some time to see again. Talk about the bus. Hopefully people are feeling pretty good. I'll take 12-3 and off it, regardless of all that came out. I was a little stressed, for sure. There's no doubt about it. But <laughs> we, we could you, tell. You, yeah, you, yeah, you always can, right? But you wake, we wake up today feeling pretty good about the Bay Area split, for sure. I mean, at least you should. Cool, man. All right, thanks, Ty. Yep. All right, you guys have fun. That was On the Bubble with Tyler Ziskin. You can follow him on Twitter at TZiskBuff. Uh, thank you for that segment, Ryan and Tyler. Uh, Tyler, thank you for the drinks as well. Um, but as always. Exactly. Lovely Blake Street Tavern. Can't get that in there enough. Anyways, let's jump back and talk about this weekend a little bit. The Buffs uh, took their Bay Area trip. They lost at Cal in what was probably you could consider a blowout, and they uh, they beat Stanford. And it did not feel like they beat Stanford, but they ended up holding on to that game. Uh, they won by just one point. Uh, you alluded to it uh, a little bit at uh, the end there with Tyler, uh, talking about, you know, maybe they didn't play their best game, but it still goes down as a win. And I think that's the most important thing. Uh, you talked about it, you know, even previewing the Pac-12 season last week on the podcast, that the most important thing for the Buffs is getting these road splits, getting one win every trip you go on. Right. And, and that's what we've been saying from the very beginning is – you just need the split, and I don't care how you win. I don't care if you win the game two to one. Uh, if you get a road win, in Tad, the by the way, Tad Boyle would love two to one basketball games. <laughs> Tad Boyle would love me for saying that. Right. I, I think once you you get a win, it, it's like it's in the past. I don't even if you're on the team, you don't even remember what happened in that game. All you know is you got a win. When you lose games, I think 
it's a little more reflection and, and you know, you need to make sure that the, you got this, this, and this right. And, of course, there's going to be things they're working on from that game. But it's like, you know, as I said on Twitter, like, Tad, I, I just pictured Tadball rubbing his hands together, like, just cleaning them off. Like, oh, there we go. We got the road split. Let's get the heck out of here. Uh, and to me, honestly, it's impressive to win a game like that. And I know Tad Boyle always says that's why our our program is built this way. Uh, it's so when you can't, when you do score four points in the last ten minutes of the game, uh, you do win, and or you do and you, you have ways you can find a way to win. Um, and in that early offensive explosion, and we talk about it all year, they kind of even last night when they couldn't really shoot the ball, they still lived and died by the three because it was the early offensive explosion with the three point ball. They got them in a position to win the game. Right, and they struggled in the second half because they only went 1-13 of from the three-point line. I think they had four or five threes, maybe even six threes in the first half, and that's where a majority of their scoring came from again last night, uh, which is somewhat surprising if you're looking at this team from the outside because you're thinking, oh, this team's got Josh Scott. They just pounded inside. Well, you're incorrect. They just pounded from the three-point line and uh, hoped to get a couple offensive rebounds, and that's how they're scoring inside. So I think that's somewhat concerning is that they live and die by that three-pointer. You've seen it come to bite them the last three or four games or so. Right, but when you, I'd rather live and die by the three-pointer than not have the three-pointer at all as a luxury. Um, I think this team can kind of mature and learn throughout the season that they cannot uh, put that much emphasis on the three-point line when it comes down to crunch time. Um, and I, I think I have belief that they can learn that when they need a bucket that needs to be one man's hands, and that's number 40. Um, Which is something they're still struggling with, getting right. it into Josh Goss' hands. To me, hands. that was the most concerning thing about last night. Um, people always whine and moan about Tad Boyle not taking timeouts, and eventually everyone's just going to have to get used to it. Tad Boyle's not a guy who's going to take a timeout. But I thought there was a time in there last night, and it didn't even have to be in the middle of a run. He just needed to, t- to take a timeout and say, look, guys, we need to get the ball to Josh. Um, we need to get him on the block, and we need to feed him and run everything through that from this point on. Because every time Josh Scott touches the ball, it opens up the entire offense. Uh, and they didn't do it They didn't do it last night until, what, a minute left? And they finally got Josh to touch, and he you know, drops steps on the baseline and gets himself an easy layup. And it was the first field goal they had in the last six minutes or whatever. Right, that was one of two field goals they had at the end of the game. The other came off of an offensive board. Right, which was a heck of a play by, uh, by George King. Skies up, gets the offensive board, looks out for a pass, doesn't have it. One dribble of layup. Uh, but, man, I just, it's mind-boggling to me when they go, you know, five, six, seven, eight possessions in a row without scoring, and, no, and none of those involve the Josh Scott post-touch. So when, that was the only time I thought, you know, Tadwell really needed to take a timeout was just to say, guys, if Josh doesn't touch the ball, you know, you're, you're all running tomorrow, or whatever it is, um, to get them to feed that ball down there, because that's when that team... Is it's maybe not even at their best, but when they need it, that's where they need to go. And maybe this is another reason why they struggled scoring last night. Josh Scott only got to the free throw line twice, and as a team, they only got 13 times to the free throw line. Uh, Josh Scott, in the, even at the game at Cal, got to the free throw line, I think, nine or ten times. Uh, he got 16 shots up in, this ga- uh, in that game, whereas in the Stanford game, he only got 11 shots up. But still, if you're giving Josh Scott 11 shots, I like those opportunities. He hit on six of those. He was 2-2 two two from the three, uh, free throw line. Uh, but you want the ball more in Josh Scott's hands. I think we can all agree in that with that. But with that being said, last night in that Stanford game, Torrey Miller was not playing. And Josh Scott had to play essentially the full minutes. game. Yeah. Uh, so whether that be tired legs, uh, why Josh Scott didn't get to the free throw line or not, 
Uh, Josh Scott played a full effort last night, even if the stat sheet necessarily doesn't say so, because they did not have that reserve big man. How concerning is it to you? We don't really know much about this Tory Miller injury. It just kind of came by uh, all, all of a sudden. But I think that has to be a major concern if they don't have that reserve big man. Right. Uh, and you saw last night that Tad Merrill doesn't have to trust his team's business to put him in there. So, And then it forces guys like Josh Fortune or George King to play the four uh, when Leslie Gordon comes out of the game. Uh, and then all of a sudden you're putting two guards in the lineup that you don't necessarily trust. Uh, and, you know, it shows in the stat sheet, uh, Xavier Talton was a minus 16 last night. Dominique Collier was a minus 11. So uh, maybe that's not the best stat ever, but it shows that they were inefficient on the court. Uh, so maybe it just doesn't put the players in the correct position. So It hurts. It definitely yeah. hurts. I think... Um, you know, you have to assume that Corey's going to be okay, um, especially since it's, it was so, you know, last minute and kind of out of nowhere. But they really have to figure something out. Or maybe this is the um, perfect door opening for Xavier Johnson to pull that trigger on coming back to the team. And this is something uh, we wanted to bring up on the podcast. Uh, we're actually going to do that on the other side. Uh, we do have breaks on this podcast uh, because we love to keep our content free. And in order to do so, uh, we have to sell out to the commercial advertisers. We're sorry about it, but this is how we uh, we get money for our jobs. This and we is love our job. And we love our advertisers. We love our listeners. So in order to keep everyone happy, we have to take this quick break. And we'll see you back on the other side. Hi, this is Justin Gold from Justin's. If you've had my nut butter or my peanut butter cups, then you know that I take my products and my customers very seriously. So when I needed my roof replaced, I wanted somebody who feels the same way about their customers and their products that I do. Luckily for me, I found exactly that when I went to Chip Bezo from Chip's Roofing, and he provided me with a service that I'll never forget. Not only did they build me a beautiful high-wind roof with the best products available, but the quality, price, and service was exceptional. I was in contact with Chip the entire time, and him and his crew couldn't have been more professional. Chip's Roofing has my business for life. Chip's Roofing, Colorado's high-wind roofing experts for 30 years. You can find us online at chipsroofingllc.com. That's chipsroofingllc.com. Or call us now at 720-938-ROOF. That's 720-938-ROOF. Once again, 720-938-ROOF. Hi, I'm Erica Chenard, and I've been helping Colorado homeowners buy and sell for 14 years. From the biggest names in Colorado to first-time buyers, I treat each and every one like an MVP. I've sold over 170 homes in the last 12 months, and I can help you sell your current one or buy your next one. Call me, Erica Chenard, at 720-663-1003 or online at denvercohomes.com. Of course you want to be in better shape, and of course you want to change the way you eat, but it's easier said than done. Hi, I'm Adam Kinney, and like you, I've tried a million different things to accomplish this before I found the solution. Now, I go to Ironclad Fitness off of Evans. The days of long, boring cardio sessions are over. My kettlebell training at Ironclad is fast, innovative, and it really works. At this rate, I'll never step on a treadmill again. Let Ironclad Fitness change your life like they're changing mine. Ironclad Fitness. 
Hey, Josh, what happened to Colorado Keg House? I was just there yesterday, Adam. It's the same great place with 72 Colorado craft beers on tap. Really? I heard they had up to 60 breweries in there. I figured they must have moved into a huge building or something. That means they have up to 60 different breweries on tap, dude. Do you think they actually crammed 60 breweries in there? Oh, so they still have 27 TVs? Yeah. And NFL Sunday ticket? Yep. Cool. Still awesome. Colorado Keg House, Colorado's home for craft beer by the First Bank Center in Broomfield. Welcome back to the BSN Buffs podcast, live from the lovely and beautiful Blake Street Tavern. I'm here with Ryan Koningsberg. I am Jake Shapiro. Thanks for joining us on the BSN Buffs podcast. Yo, hold up real quick. What is up with your foot, dude? Dude, my feet hurt so much. Why? I tried to hit the hill this weekend, get a couple runs in, and my boots are so whack. Dude, I could have sworn I talked to you about this last week. You know what you got to do is you got to get to boot mechanics in Golden. Uh, my man Jeremy Johnson, he's going to get you custom fit. He's a professional skier. He's going to get your boots all ready and go, ready to go so you can have a more comfortable ride and increase that performance on the hill. Dude, maybe I'll be skiing the, the blues finally. I've been stuck on the greens because my feet, feet hurt so much. Well, what they're going to do is they're going to take a mold of your foot. They're going to use that cast to make a footbed that's literally a mirror image of your foot. You're going to be feeling like you're, you're skiing on that pillow while you're going on those powder pillows, bro. They even sell you new boots if you need a whole new set. Uh, so what you're going to do is you're going to call 303-916-3498. That's 303-916-3498 or visit bootmechanics.com. Well, you know how much I like beds, Ryan. <laughs> uh, so I teased it on the other side, and let's uh, let's get back into this. Uh, jumping right into it, per se. Uh, the Xavier Johnson decision. Uh John Rothstein of CBS reported that this decision would be made sometime uh, in the Bay Area, so we assume maybe this decision was even made already. Uh, but, you know, uh, it hasn't been announced either way, so there's still some speculation of what's going to go down there. Uh, Xavier Johnson, for those who don't know, Ryan actually broke this story this summer uh, of Xavier Johnson tearing his Achilles and was going to miss the whole season. Well, he's recovered pretty well to this point. Uh I, he's not practicing yet, but he is uh, training with the team. He's getting some running in and, and doing some other stuff. And he probably could be ready to play uh, in a month uh, if, if that within decision, a right, within a month if that decision were to be made. But that decision is, do the Buffs burn his last year of eligibility on the end of this season, or do they redshirt him this year and play him next year? Here's the thing. Is it's not about, it's, the decision is not made by Tadwell. The decision is not made by... Uh, University of Colorado or anyone involved. The decision has to be made by Xavier Johnson. So if it was up to the buffs, I guarantee you they'd say, you know, uh, X, hit the weights, bulk yourself up, and we'll come back next year and get this thing going, and we're gonna play, we're gonna play you at the four while we play X, while we play uh, Wesley at the five. But it's not up to them. It's up to Xavier Johnson, and you know maybe Xavier Johnson isn't the biggest fan of going to class every day. Maybe Xavier Johnson uh, sees his pro prospects overseas as looking pretty good, and he wants to start making money. I mean, isn't that what, that, isn't that what we all want to do, is, is make some money doing what we love? Um, so it's going to come down to an Xavier Johnson decision, and um, it's really hard to know right now what he's going to do. I think um, he sees the, the way this team has had success, and I think he <coughs> wants to be a part of that. I don't know, I don't know why he wouldn't. Um, but I think he also sees the opportunity next year to be kind of a, a featured guy. And he's not. if he comes back this season, uh, he can't expect to be a featured guy. He can expect to be 
a piece, a piece to the puzzle, and maybe a big piece, especially um, with what we saw last night with the big depth. Um, they need some help down there, and I think if Xavier Johnson is willing to play the four, um, he he could play that better to me than trying to play the wing right now, coming off of an Achilles injury. Um, I don't know, you know, a lot of his game is built off of you know exploding to the rim, um, and I don't know how quickly that's going to come back to him. So, to me, the best decision is to come back next year, and I think most people agree with that. But it's not up to us. It's not up to Chad Boyle. It's up to him. And that's the thing here. There are so many moving parts. Uh, the buffs are better than people expected this season. Uh, their prospects for next year are still a little bit unsure with two uh, unused spots in the recruiting class. Uh, maybe one of those will be occupied by Xavier Johnson coming back. But does Xavier Johnson want to be you know, the guy next year on a team that might not be as good, or does he want to be a piece on a team that has potential to really make some noise into March? Uh, there's a lot of questions here, and it's, it's very tough, I think, on someone, you know, basically our age to weigh all of this and look at it with a common sense. And so I, I give him praise for even going in and meeting with Tad Boyle and, you know, bouncing ideas off of him. Uh, you'd have to think Tad is unbiased in that conversation is just being a good coach and a mentor. So I really like him being mature enough to go in and meet with Tad Boyle to consider this decision because if he had made decision, his decision already, it, I think it would have been announced by now because it would have just been, we're meeting with Tad, I'm telling him what I want to do, and you know, decision announced five minutes later. So there's some actual thought being had here, and I really like the Buffs taking the slow play and, and letting him think about all this because really there are a lot of moving parts uh, it is a huge decision for Xavier and CU, and uh, you know, either way, I don't want to say it's a win-win, but there's a lot of wins, uh, positives to him either coming back this year or coming back next year. There might be more positives for him coming back next year, but there are positives on either side. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, I think you know, every minute, every second that goes by, I think to me it leans more towards him coming back next year. Because, it, it, dude, you—that was a kid. That was so killer. Him coming back next, next year. year. <laughs> I think you know, it's just—it's there's only so much time left in the season, and every day that goes by, you know, well now the U trip Utah game is out of question, and then you know you go another week, and it's a, it's another road trip, and it's just it's or another homestand. To me, it just seems like you know why are you going to come back to play ten games um, max? So. And what's for them to your fullest capabilities? Right, and so I haven't really taken a stand on this now, but the more I, the more I, you know, the words come out of my mouth, the more it just seems to make so much sense for him to come back next year, and that's kind of where I lean towards. Right, and I tend to agree with you, and I'm the guy who wrote the column saying that there's a lot of benefits to him coming back this season, uh, because I really do. There are benefits to him coming back this season, and I really do think there's positives to each side. But I think most logical CU fans and followers and media will agree that him coming back next year is a benefit towards him and a benefit towards CU, and it will deepen CU's run of prosperity, so to speak. Uh, But let's talk about some other stuff that's going on here. Uh, I do wanted to bring this up. The Buffs have shortened their bench a little bit over the last few games, something Tad Boyle always does heading into conference season. They're down to about eight guys. Do you like the adjustments made by Tad Boyle? Yeah, I... Last night, I have to admit, you know, I'm usually not one to question. I'm, I don't get into the whole questioning the rotation and this, this, and this. 
Um, but I thought last night I, I wanted to see a little more uh, Thomas Akizu down the stretch. I think I think uh, XT played almost uh, all the entire last eight minutes of the game, um, and uh, I think XT does bring some qualities to the court that you want out there. Him being a senior and whatnot, but. Man, Thomas Akinjili said played such a great first half in relief of Dominique Collier, who uh, got himself into foul trouble. Surprise, surprise. Uh, and I felt like he made a couple of mistakes in the second half, and then Tad really shortened the leash on him and pulled him out of there. Um, but in terms of, you know, shortening the bench, it's something that Tad does every year. Um, I think, you know, guys like, in a perfect world, guys like XP and guys like Tory Miller aren't even really going to be getting that many minutes um, once it comes down to it, if they're not having to deal with foul trouble. Uh, so, I like it. Every team has to do it. Some some teams only go seven deep. So, to be able to go eight deep comfortably um, is pretty average. But, you know, that that's a comfortable place to be as a coach. You mentioned this to me, and I just wanted to have your point of view mentioned on the podcast. Because they were in foul trouble, you wanted to see this guy last night. Oh, of course. I wanted to see Brett Brady. Uh, I'm, I feel like people think I'm just joking about this, but it's actually done for the point I'm serious. Like, if there's foul trouble, he's a legitimate option who can go in there. Um, you saw George King in our in your uh, Blake Street Buff of the Week. You know, you asked him who would take the last shot, and he said Brett, and I think people think that was a joke. I'm not 100% sure that was a joke. Like, when they are running scout team and they're, like, end of the shot clock, Brett throws in some crazy stuff. Like, he, he's got, I don't know. I, I think Tad sometimes falls a lot in love with scholarship players so much that a guy who I really think is a legitimate option for them doesn't get time when they need time from a guard. And I wanted to, before we end this segment, talk about one more thing. And the offense, especially in this uh, Stanford game, was a little bit concerning. They only scored 56 points. Uh, They haven't scored more than 72 points since they went, before they went to Vegas when they were playing Hampton and Nichols. Uh, is the offense becoming somewhat of a concern? Because in the non-conference season, we were hyping this offense up as possibly the second-best offense Tad Boyle had coached. Yeah, uh, there's, there's reason. I guess there's reason for concern, but you know, they we've learned the fact that they can make those shots. They can make, they can knock down open threes. Um, and it, so I don't think it was a fluke for you know 11, 12 games. Uh, I just think. They've gone through a cold stretch. Everyone does it, and I think they all got hot together as a team, and which can be a great thing, but I think it can also be a bad thing because they're all going to probably cool down together as a team. So for them, that makes last night's win even that much bigger. Um, they were in, they're in this cold streak. They're in this funk right now, uh, and they were still able to kind of scrape out a win off of a couple shots early in the first half, which is really what it came down to, was them making shots in the first half to build an, a big enough lead to survive that awful, awful slump in the second half. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, there is reason for concern. You can't be perfect all the time. But I really think that this team is capable of putting up 90 night in, night out. Um, I think, obviously, the better Pac-12 defenses are going to shut them down. I don't think it's going to quite be 55 points every weekend. But I think, you know, they're going to have some times where they do have to turn to defense and rebounding. And maybe a game like last night is exactly what Tad Boyle wanted so he can show that on film to them all day today and tomorrow and the next day and say look guys this is what I've been trying to tell you from day one you're going to have to you're going to have to win some games like this um and that that's kind of a wake-up call for me because I don't think they really played that great of defense last night like 
but they were plus 13 in the rebound margin, which right. was huge. Exactly. And, and and that's what it came down to, was they rebounded the ball, because, I like I said, I don't think their defense was that great for how many points they gave up and what they had let the other team shot, shoot. It was really more, to me, about um, about uh, Stanford just not being able to make any shots. Yeah, and West shut down his man as well. Right, and I mean, West took Roscoe out right. right out of the game. Um, he's so fun to watch when he uh, commits himself on the defensive end, like, Every time a guy gets by him, I still don't concede the basket because Wes is going to get back there and block it. He had some nasty blocks on Roscoe. Josh even had a big block last night. Right, yeah, probably the biggest play of the game, maybe. Uh, Really shut down the momentum there. So that's the biggest part of this team's defense right now is the rim protection, and you can't always rely on that because eventually they're they're going to get into foul trouble when there's some guards who can kind of get into their bodies. Right, or Josh Scott's going to be after covering a guy like Jakob Podol. Right. Uh, But, you know... Speaking of Yakupoto, the Buffs do play Utah, and that's going to be something we talk about on the other side of this break, uh, as well as uh, Craig Watts uh, reopening up his commitment, uh, strength and conditioning, new coach, we'll talk about him. Uh, We're going to have some fun as well. Uh, So in order to keep our content free, we're going to take this little break, and uh, we'll see you back on the other side. Why go to the Clock Tower Grill? Because of the burgers? Sure. How about the 15 big screen TVs and the 100-inch projection screen? Okay. How about the fact that it's conveniently located at the Lincoln Light Rail Station? Yep. We could do this all day. The bottom line is that the Clock Tower Grill has unique food and drink specials every single day and offers something for everyone all the time. Head down to the Lincoln Light Rail Station and let's have some fun at the Clock Tower Grill. Rain, sleet, or snow, 24 hours a day, residential or commercial, you name it, A-Team does it. A-Team Garage Doors will meet or beat any estimate and offer same-day repairs. A-Team Garage Doors has a five-star rating and is a home advisor elite service provider. Call A-Team Garage Doors at 720-556-8016. That's A-Team Garage Doors, 720-556-8016. Call 8016 for the A-Team. When is the last time you went to the Rock Restaurant and Bar on Smoky Hill Road? With 69-cent wings on Mondays, trivia on Tuesdays, and $2 domestics during happy hour and weekends, the Rock Restaurant and Bar is the only choice when I'm in South Aurora. They're open 9 a.m. to 2 a.m. every day, making them a great place for a big breakfast, tasty lunch, or a nice dinner. The Rock is off of Smoky Hill Road, just a few blocks west of E-470. Find them online at therockrest.com. That's therockrest.com. $3 beer specials, $4 shot specials, $5 appetizer specials, and two-for-one 10-inch pizzas. All of that happens every Sunday at Ernie's Bar and Pizza. Not only does Ernie's have the best deals, but they were just voted number one New York-style pizza in Denver by the Westward. Why go anywhere else? Make Ernie's Bar and Pizza your home for football on Sundays. Ernie's Bar and Pizza, 44th and Federal in Old North Denver, where the Pisons live. 
If you're tired of the same old sports bar experience, it's time to check out the Sunset Grill. They have the NFL Sunday Ticket, NHL Center Ice, NBA TV, and yes, even the Pac-12 Network. But they also have a gorgeous view from their spacious deck. They have dry ribs, wings, and mussels to go with their ice-cold beer. They have $4 Bud and Bud Light pitchers on Sundays, and their happy hour is from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day. So next time you're looking for a place to watch the game, do it a little different and go to the Sunset Grill off Holly and County Line in Centennial. Sunset Grill. Welcome back to the BSN Buffs podcast, live from the awesome, fantastic, and lovely Blake Street Tavern. Uh, right now, me and Ryan are watching one versus two, Kansas versus Oklahoma. We also got the Avs game on in the background. They're playing the Kings tonight. Uh, we got our man behind the bar. Uh, great atmosphere. It feels like home. Ryan even tweeted a picture, said it feels like home. Uh, it, it's fantastic. I had a great quesadilla earlier. I had some of the best green chili fries you will ever have. Uh, sit, sipping on my Sprite because I'm under 21, but I know RK had a beer earlier. What would you have? I went Dale's tonight. You didn't go Mama's Little Yellow Pills no, or whatever? No, I'm staying in the family, staying in the Oscar Blues family. Um, I actually told my mom tonight when I was leaving the house, I was taking care of it for them. And when they got home, she was like, so where are you going? I was like, home. She's like, what? I was like, oh, Blake's Street Tavern. It's my second home. But, uh, it's, I mean, it truly is the best place. The views are great, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, the drinks are great, the food is great. This is, it's hands down, I mean, it's voted by the people the best sports bar in Denver, and it's really, to me, it's not even close. Oh yeah, and it's two blocks from Coors Field if you're going to catch a Rockies game. Exactly. So, it, it's fantastic, and they have all the watch parties here. Uh, they don't have any going on tonight. I think they actually have a Kansas watch party tonight. I saw a few Kansas jerseys. If you went to a college, there were watch parties here. Yeah, even Nichols State, I hear. <laughs> The Nick, sorry, Nichols, Nichols, not Nichols Nichols, State, yeah, Yeah. Uh, and Southern Cal. Right, exactly. Uh, Exactly. Uh, So they actually really do have Southern Cal. I know, (laughs) not USC though. Uh, Before we wrap up basketball, big game coming up on Friday night at the CEC. The Buffaloes face off against the Utah Running Utes. the Larry Kristoviak's team. I just love saying all those things. Uh, Jakob Pertl uh, is on that you, team as well. You want to say Pertl so bad. I want to say Pertl so bad. Uh, that broadcast I'm doing Friday night for Radio 1190 should be interesting with me saying Pertl time and time again. Sometimes Shaft just makes up names for players when he's doing those calls. The Hampton game was full of guys that don't exist. He's like, here comes Targaryen. And I was like, dude, that's... And he passes it off to Joe Davis. Joe Davis with a good shot there. Uh, but big game for the Buffs. Uh, the Buffs are starting to get some votes in both the coaches' poll and the AP Top 25. They've been getting them, uh, but they're still getting them after going one and one on this trip. Uh, it's big for them. Let's get some song coming on the speakers. Um, but uh, it's going to be hugely important for them this year as the season goes along to... <laughs> I can't believe they're playing it so loudly. <laughs> this is awesome. It's going to be hugely important for them to hold serve at home. Tad Boyle said that post game last night. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm going to fight it. I'm going to fight it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, the Buffs do play Utah Friday night. Uh, Ryan, some of your early opinions as we head into this game. The Utah Utes lost uh, DeLon Wright from last year. Uh, they do still have Yakapotal. Uh, and they've been pretty much largely disappointing this year. They did beat Duke, but they've been pretty disappointing so far this year. Yeah. 
I have no idea. I put, I picked them to win the league. Like I don't know. What, I I thought they were good for a second, and then they go out and just go over two in this road trip and completely just look off and terrible. Um, and I mean, you think the Bucks had a rough road trip? It was way worse for them. And like I said, they, they don't get the win. Um, and like Tyler said earlier on the podcast, they are in serious trouble. They're in serious risk of missing the tournament if they lose this game to CU. Um, which is just crazy to me because they just beat Duke like a week ago. And, you know, they're number 21 and rising up. Um, but it's such a deep hole in, in a league where you can lose on every single night. It's such a deep hole to come in, to come out of 3-0 or 0-3 and, and try and get back to 10-8, and 8, which we kind of talked about as a threshold for getting in. They could probably get in at 9-9. It's just something we talk about with the football team, and uh, maybe it carries over to the basketball team a little bit of weight too. But Utah comes in perhaps angry because they just lost two games and blew a road trip. Uh, this seems to always happen to the football team where they're facing a team that just lost. And do you think that might benefit the Buffs in a way, or do you think it hurts them? Because uh, they do normally play very well at home. They normally play Utah very well at home. Uh, if you guys remember, the first time they played Pac-12 game against Utah, right, it was amazing. Yeah. Uh, I think... For, for some reason, for me, it seems to have more of an effect on football. Um, to me, there's like a whole week between this game, or not quite a whole week, but, you know, five days between this game, and that kind of, like, desperation feeling, or you just want to play, you just want to win, kind of rubs off, and I know football's like that, but you're used to that. Right. You don't have 16, you have 16 games left if you're in Utah. Right, exactly. So, to me, I don't think it has that big of a play on, uh, 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 effect on this game, but... That being said, you know, this comes down to a, uh, a you know, uh, Utah needs a defensive stop to win the game. You know it's going to be in their heads. If we lose this, we're 0-3. We better freaking dig deep. Um, so that's kind of where that will come into play. But, I, I, you know, I, I kind of like the way the Buffs match up with them. Other than, you know, uh, Pearl, who has the ability to shut down Josh Scott, he also has the ability to get himself in the foul. Trouble. And he also has the ability to maybe even get shut down by Wes Gordon if Wes Gordon's on his A game. Right. So, you know, to me, I think the, the game plan has to be give, and I know we've talked about not doing this, but I kind of want to give Josh Scott the ball at the elbow um, and let him try and drive on Pearl and get him in the foul trouble. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a bad plan at all. I think Tad Tad Boyle probably has a plan because, you know, this Tad Boyle-Larry Kristoviak rivalry is one that's not new, and it will probably be la- it'll probably be la- uh, lasting a long time with how good Larry Kristoviak's been at Utah and how good Tad Boyle's been at Colorado. Uh, so I really love to see these two coaches match up against each other. Of course, last season when the Buffs played Utah for the first time at Utah, uh, didn't XJ get hurt in that game? It was just right. what right. It was, it was the biggest nightmare of a game, and I think it just set them up for the rest of the conference season to just fail. Yeah, to me, this is such an opportunity for the Bucs uh, to get to 2-1, to have another big win. Uh, I know it won't be quite as glamorous. It won't be the top 25 win that it would have been last week. But to me, it's just, I mean, what... How many opportunities do you get to, you know, just to get a, a, a win and have a week to prepare off of it instead of, you know, catching an L and then all of a sudden you're thinking about that and one and two and you feel like you're in a hole. This is the difference of feeling like you're in a hole and feeling like you're in, in a great position to me because, you know, you have a chance to go 3-0 and on this homestand 
uh, and be feeling really, really great about yourself. Um, if you catch if you catch an L in this first game of the season or the first game of the, the homestand, then all of a sudden you're feeling desperate, like you need to win the next two. Yeah, and I think that's a big thing for the Buffs. Is this is their last true home stretch of the year? They have three home games in a row. Uh, the Oregon teams come in here on January 13th and January 17th. Of course, Utah's Friday night at seven. So it's going to be important. It, I mean, if the Buffs take care of business at home, and that meaning they only lose one game or go undefeated at home, and they win two or three more road games, they're almost guaranteed for the tournament. So it is like essential for the Buffs to keep winning at home. And uh, it really just starts with Utah. And I think this this game is probably going to be the big, and I hate doing this because I'm the guy that's like, well, this game's not that important. It's just one game. But this Utah game could really tell you a lot about what where the buff season will go because it's their first true test at home. Uh, the other Utah team did come catch, test them at home. That was BYU. But this Utah team is angry. They're looking for a win. They have loads of talent. They have a great coach. Uh, there's really – this is such a huge opportunity for the buffs. And if they blow it, uh, I really could see the season going downhill from here. Uh, but let's go – Real quick, I don't yeah. want to quite go as far as the season going downhill, but I think... I said could, could. Right. I just think it can tell you whether what happened on this last road trip is going to become a trend or whether it was an aberration. Boom. <laughs> Shab- what's the thing we're saying now? Bazinga. 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 All right. Let's jump over to football. The football team lost... Uh, their top recruit, well, not necessarily lost him yet, but he reopened. Uh, yeah, I'll be. Let's be. I'll be honest. Uh, Craig Watts Jr., uh, four-star uh, nickel cornerback, safety from Florida. Uh, one of three guys from Florida that were big recruits from the Buffs, but he was the number one recruit for the Buffs. The Buffs also hired a new strength and conditioning coach. Uh, this all coming on the football side. First, let's jump into your reaction on the Craig Watts thing because uh, that kind of caught me off guard Saturday night. Uh, I, I think it might have caught, caught, uh, catched a lot of Buffs fans. I don't know what the, caught caught, caught a, Buffs, a lot of Buffs fans off guard Saturday night. Yeah, I don't know. I think some of the more realistic fans were caught off guard. Um, if you completely thought that Craig Watts was a Buff lock, then you were kind of seeing the world through black and gold goggles. Um, to me, from literally the second he committed. It was a grab on and hold on for dear life and hope that, you know, somehow you have him still saying he's above commit on signing day and after signing day. Um, to me, it just always seemed like he um, he had eyes somewhere else, you know. It's like you're hanging out with this girl and whatever, but she's always, she's, she's texting someone on her phone that whole time and you're like, what's going on here? Like, it always seemed like she's here. That's how it felt with Craig Watts for me. So, I think you kind of... You know, I've had some people in my mentions saying I never, you know, I, I was not caught off guard by this. I kind of, I felt it coming. So, I think the news, you know, kind of sucks for her to come out on a Saturday night. And I think the news bumped some people out, but I don't necessarily think it was a shock. Um, Craig Watts wasn't exactly the most loyal of commits, and you, you learned that when he committed from Wisconsin to become a buffer. Yeah, I, I just think it's so unfortunate for the Buffs, and I think a lot of people would agree, because he was the guy that chose Alabama, Wisconsin, every single school in the country over, you know, he chose CU over those schools, and uh, it's so disappointing to see your top recruit go, uh, but it gives the Buffs another opportunity to say, 
you know, hey, chip on our shoulders, screw you to everyone that said no, we're going to go out there and prove that we can go make something happen with the guys we already have. Uh, because they do truly have some talented guys uh, that are underclassmen and that are coming in. And it's going to be really important for them to keep the other guys that are part of this recruiting class, especially the ones that are closely connected to Craig Watts. Right, now you've got, you know, Johnny Huntley, Anthony Giannisi, they're going on a visit together to Syracuse. Um, you know, you, you don't hope, you don't wish this upon the Buffs, but there's a scenario here where everything could unravel on them pretty quickly. Let's jump into something else that's not as dark. Uh, the new strength and conditioning coach uh, the Buffs do have, and uh, his name is uh, Drew, Wilson. Drew Wilson. I wrote the article on it, so I do know. <laughs> I promise you. And... Uh, they, uh, reading up on him, it seems like he's a, uh, it's, it's going to be a positive for the Buffs that they got this guy. It seems like he, uh, he has a very good resume. He's been at a lot of schools. He has a lot of different circuit certifications. He does different things in different areas. There's a very interesting YouTube video about him, about his story, uh, and all the things that he's done. Uh, it's called the Drew Wilson story. That's why we laugh. And, uh, I, I think that's this is a good thing for the Buffs. They added another guy to their staff that has been a lot of places and you know has experienced a lot. Right. I, you know, I think it's a great pickup for them. Um, I can tell you, you know, I'm not an expert on fitness and all that. That might come as a surprise to some people, but uh, I think you know he's very, very well respected in that community. Um, and, that, and that's a different. It's a, it's a different from the coaching. Community. Um, it's its own sort of community, and I know that Drew Wilson has a very great reputation there. Um, he has a reputation of, of, you know, being more than just a football guy. He's really a strength and conditioning guy, um, despite he, you know, he did play football. And, and, but you know, when it comes to bodybuilding and weightlifting, he's, he's respected in that community. Um, I, I know from a few people I've talked to, he has great relationships with his players, and that is one of the most important things in the strength and conditioning coach. You're talking about. A guy who, for half the year, is the only coach who can be around these players. Um, you need someone who you know these players respect, they like. Uh, and well, you know, I don't think um, the guy he's replacing, Coach Foreman, was bad at that. But I also don't think he was great at it. And so this has a chance to you know kind of turn things around in the weight room um, and kind of put a different perspective uh, in these players' heads. You know, of course, no matter what happens, he could. Not do one thing on the job, and on the first day of fall camp, Mike McIntyre is going to tell us that everyone's bigger, stronger, and faster. But you know, the truth will be in the pudding when they step foot on field. Yeah, and that's something for the Buffs. Uh, they did truly look bigger, stronger, faster last year. But it's so important to get to the next step because uh, that's one of the areas they've lacked since they've joined the Pac-12 is having the bigger, faster, stronger athletes, or even on on the same playing field, uh, literally and mentally, as the other guys in the Pac-12. Uh, so you know. To get a guy that maybe will change some of the ways uh, things are done, I think it's a good move. Why not try some things? Uh, and you see that with the Buffs bringing in another guy in. I can't pronounce his name. That's why I'm going in. The the new coach that we're going to do the tweet thing about. I can't pronounce oh, his Darren name. Chivarini. Yeah, I can't pronounce his name. Darren <laughs> Chavarini. Uh, and that's that brings us into this segment. Uh, Darren Chavarini and Jim Levitt have some of the best tweets in Buff Nation. Uh, Ryan reads all of them and laughs so hard. I miss a lot of them because I'm on Rocky's Twitter and doing other things. Uh, and this is what we're going to do. Ryan's going to read to me uh, some tweets, and uh, I'm going to tell him whether Jim Levitt tweeted it or Darren Chevarini tweeted it. Because, honestly, it seems like one person might be running both. So, 
here we go. This is the first one. It actually came in just 40 minutes ago. Um, I'm so excited about everything. Two exclamation points. Just smiling so big. Absolutely love it here in Boulder. It feels so fortunate. Go Bucks. That's love it. Yep. I definitely love it. If it ends with Go Bucks. Okay, here we go. Uh, work hard in recruiting. Lift up your university with passion. Be, through, be thorough and include your family. Then give it to the Lord and pray for wisdom. I was confused, but you used a different voice sound on Chavarini. Ooh, gotcha. That was love it? voice. That was love it, too. Dang, dude. I was... Dang. Gotcha. All right. Here we go. Uh, number three. We're going to do five. Buff Nation, I'm so excited for 2016. It will not be easy, and there will be many obstacles that we shall not be doing. That's like exactly like Levitt, but I gotta go Chevrolet now. <laughs> that was Chevrolet. Okay, number four. Okay, here we go. There will be doubters and non-believers along your journey. Trust in yourself and the path you have chosen. Let's ride. Hashtag mindset. Hashtag see you in sixteen. Levitt would never do a hashtag, so I gotta go Chevrolet. <laughs> It's funny because I was going to do one with a quote tweet, and then I was like, well, no, that I was never budget. <laughs> okay, last one, number five. Uh, you lost it. I did, I lost the one I wanted. All right, well, I think the point was okay, made. No, here we go. Oh, okay. Be honest with young people and lift up CU. Great university, amazing campus, amazing campus, national championship tradition, staggering beauty, on and on. I was waiting for Go Buffs at the end, and there wasn't some going Chevrolet. Nope, he didn't have enough characters for Go oh, Buffs. He gave up all 140. Do you think his sign-off on his email is Go Buffs, Skin Love It? I think it's, we're moving. <laughs> we're moving! We're moving! <laughs> <laughs> um, what'd you go, two for three? Or two for five? Two for five. Uh, yeah, I'm like, like I said, I haven't seen most of them, uh, and I use some investigation, investigative work to get the two that I got. Um, <laughs> I like you reading your keys, Jim Lovett would be proud. Good, good. I think TJ Khaled would be proud too. Anything else we got on the podcast? We got a few minutes here. Uh, we've covered almost everything, and uh, we've covered football, we've covered basketball. Uh, we haven't covered women's basketball, but uh, uh, we got to get out of here so we can get to the game. That's why we're wrapping this up right now, is because the Buffs are playing Washington State right now. We're going to come back and go watch the second half, which in women's basketball is actually third and fourth quarters now. Yes. Do you like that? Do you like that? Do you like that? Do you like that? <laughs> do you, I like that. <laughs> you, you like I that. Actually, I do like that. Yeah. Uh, and what, what the other rule I want to ask you about, because we, we watched a few women's games, women's games this weekend, is advancing the ball to half court. We just watched That's being nice. Did you watch two? <laughs> I might have watched two. <laughs> I watched the game after. Do you want to touch the advancing Yeah, ball? advancing the ball. Do you like that rule? Love it. Um, I think we're only a matter, it could be next year, really. Um, I think it's working great in, Texas, or in uh, women's basketball this year. Um, it cost the Buffs a game. Unfortunately for them and Linda Laffey, but um, we're definitely only a year away from maybe two, a year or two away from that coming into the men's game. Um, it just makes it makes finishes more exciting, and I don't understand uh, how you can turn down an opportunity to make finishes more exciting. 
That's going to wrap up the BSN Buffs podcast live from the Blake Street Tavern in the beautiful lower downtown district of Denver, Colorado. I am Jake Shapiro alongside the editor of BSNBuffs.com, Ryan Konings. No one wants to hear that. Are you trying to make a short joke at me? Why do you have to say short? We're, we're people too, Ryan. Over there, all tall and mighty. Uh, anyways, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it, guys. Thank you for reading. We love our listeners. We love our readers. Keep interacting with us on Twitter and Facebook at BSN Buffs. You should like our Facebook page as well. Uh, and uh, you can follow Ryan Koningsberg at Ryan Koningsberg. You can follow his uh, Twitter bot at Ryan Koningsberg. Uh, <laughs> we're going to make that happen. And you can follow me on Twitter at Chapalicious. Thank you so much. Come down to the Blake Street Tavern and tell them we sent you. Yeah, and uh, next time we do a podcast here, we should let them know that, uh, let our fans know that we're coming here which day. Probably next Monday. Uh, thank you for listening, and we'll uh, we'll see you next week.